What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Four Verts Podcast. As usual, we're going to look back, go over some game recaps, go over some game overviews for this coming weekend, go over just some overarching questions in college football, and then give you our game picks. So, again, thanks for tuning in, and let's get it. started with some game recaps from this past weekend we'll start off with the friday night lights game georgia tech versus louisville so sid start us off yeah uh good night it was a little bit shocking how are we responded i mean we got down early there a little bit 21-7 we actually went got a turnover first drive stopped them um and then we went drove scored jameer uh right in the middle Got it up 7-0, and then from there, we kind of let things go a little bit. But I thought the score right before half was huge. A um, little screen pass to, to Jameer set it up. About 30, 31-yard uh, screen pass. He he made some moves and made some people miss, so that was big. And then I uh, got a little creative down in the red zone and uh, did like a little version of a Philly special reverse to receiver. So that was good. Good to see. Um for the offense wise, it was huge to get both Dylans back at tight end. Uh, we ran a lot of twelve pers- personnel, and I think that's really kind of the goal. That's what we want to run. Uh, Jeff Sims, he made much better decisions. Uh, he knew when to tuck it and run it instead of forcing a pass. You know, getting tipped when he's getting pressure, and just putting balls where places places he shouldn't. And then uh, other thing I've got is Jameer and our running back depth is is ridiculous because at any point someone's liable to break one Dante touches the ball and he he's good for 15 uh just as easy as he could get two I mean he he's just explosive and then obviously Jameer so we should get Jordan back this next week so that's going to add another wrinkle to run a game and then uh, I was happy with Malachi Carter he uh he's turned into a playmaker for us so got to get him the ball him and Amarian I think defensive laws it was nice to get Antonius he obviously first game he did back against Syracuse. He didn't play that well. Didn't see much of him this past game. He really uh, was a force out there on the edge, just bull rushing all night, get, trying to get to, trying to keep Cunningham, trying to pressure him up the middle and then around the edges, you know, keep him contained. And he broke, busted a couple, but for the most part, we got pressure on him. Curtis Ryans, he made a play early and then didn't hear much from him, but still good to have him back out there. Linebacker play was not great. It's got to get much better. I don't really know where we go from here because, I mean, we don't we don't have that much depth. we got a bunch of young guys. And then we made a few adjustments on defense. We moved Charlie Thomas down close to the line of scrimmage in the nickel position, which is where he was a linebacker last year. So that was much better coverage-wise. Um, he had been struggling, and Tariq had been struggling. So he also moved close to the line of scrimmage. Uh, a few things we got to get fixed, obviously, is communication in the secondary. We had a couple – Breakdowns. That was frustrating to see. 
And then special teams, obviously, still an adventure. Extra points, field goals. I mean, you just never feel like, okay, we're going to knock this one through. That's pretty sad for an extra point-wise. Last thing, I guess, just Pat Node made called a much better game. I thought he put Jeff in a bunch of great position. Uh, you know, he, he made a lot of calls that just kind of eased Jeff through the game. So they gave him a lot there to work with. And then uh, – I thought Thacker got kind of creative with his defensive calls and some key moments. So that was good to see. We've been pretty vanilla. Sam and I talked about it. Um, we've been just vanilla this year. And this is really his first year taking over all the calls. You know, Jeff really had his hands on last year. And then I think Jeff's just got so many fires he's got to put out elsewhere. He can't really be, you know, calling the defense and that that being his whole thing. So uh, it's good to see. I think Thacker's going to get a little bit more creative and hopefully we can call some better games on the defensive side of the ball. So overall, I, I was pretty happy. Yeah, I was <clears throat> talking about uh, Pat and the offensive coordinator. I thought he did a much better job letting Jeff settle into the game. The the scheme, you know, like Jeff Collins said a couple weeks ago before the buys, self-scouting, we got to run the ball. felt like y'all did a better job focusing on the run, emphasizing that, letting Jeff, you know, throw off of it, play mm -hmm. actions, naked boots, getting him out on the edge where he's got an opportunity to either tuck it and run if he doesn't see anything. I feel like you weren't containing him in the pocket and making him feel like, okay, it's third and 14 right here. Staying ahead of the change is a big, big thing with a young quarterback too. So I felt like, felt like that was a key to the game, especially getting back in it, mm -hmm. getting him those short dump off throws where his receivers, I mean, mainly Jameer Gibbs are going to, going to take it for, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 yards to the crib. If he got to, I mean, that was, so that was nice to see. Hopefully that'll continue moving forward. Yeah. Just watching Jeff Sims, I mean, it was good to see. I felt like this is this was a game that he kind of – you could see growth from him. To win this mm -hmm. game, you needed a clean – a pretty clean game from him, and he, he really delivered that. So it was, it was a good game to watch. Yeah, I mean, I completely forgot, but we – no turnovers, and that's huge because we were turning the ball over like it was our job. So uh, for him to make that big transition, I mean, we still got to work on the penalties a little bit. We cleaned up the penalties a lot. So I think that bye week, like I said last week, it came at the right time. We self-evaluated and went through, corrected a lot of things. So I, I was also glad to see there's a little bit of coaching going on there too. I was kind of worried about that because we just looked so uncoached two weeks ago. So that was good to see. Pretty encouraging. So Luckily, Louisville beat y'all in, uh, in the turnover race or the, right. excuse me, the, yeah. uh, the penalty race. Yeah. The other thing is, uh, Thacker said this whole week we had been really working on, you know, trying to strip the ball and picking at those guys that are not carrying the ball high and tight. And it showed, I mean, there's a couple, there's two of those turnovers. Guys were laying on top of each other, not down. And our guys just raking at the ball the whole time. And the ball just came right out. So, I mean, props to those guys. That's coach. So, another thing, creating turnovers. I like it. Yep, got to rip the wet balls. <laughs> yep, I totally agree with that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a must. But all right, I'll uh, I'll go over the South Carolina Vandy game a little bit. <clears throat> um, it was a game that South Carolina was supposed to win, you know, by double digits, and they did exactly that. It was a pretty clean game. Uh, last week's podcast, I said that South Carolina, I, I, want, I just wanted to see them play a nice, clean game, you know, limit, limit, limit turnovers, all that stuff. They did that. Um, for the offense, Colin Hill played another Colin Hill-esque game. He was efficient with the ball, 16 for 24 for 196 yards. Um, he didn't 
have any passing touchdowns, but he had two rushing touchdowns. So I think he's he's officially a dual threat quarterback now after three ACL tears. So good on him for that. But he's just a guy that takes care of the ball, and I like that. So props to him. Kevin Harris in the backfield. He's really cemented himself as as RB1 going into the season. He's a problem. Yeah. He's a problem. Yeah, going into the season, I think everyone thought that this would be kind of a a running back by committee approach. And Kevin Harris has kind of separated himself as RB1 for sure. He's kind of the the bell cow back that we can feed the ball to, you know, 20, 25 times a game. And he's going to he's going to run for a bunch of yards and and run through a bunch of people. So I mean, he, he ran – he had 21 rushes for 171 yards, two touchdowns, including an 88-yard touchdown run. Um, and with that game, he, he put himself in second in the SEC in rushing yards, and he leads the SEC in broken tackles. So, you know, he's a guy that was not highly recruited at all out of high school. Um, he came to South Carolina – he came to a South Carolina football camp, and the staff liked him. They weren't sure about his speed. He ran a four five five forty, and they offered him, and he committed on the spot. And he's turned out to be a really good get for them. So that was nice to see. Shai Smith was actually pretty quiet this game uh, because Vanderbilt shaded shaded a safety to his side. Uh, we like to run Shai on a lot, lots of slant routes and stop routes and and dig dig type routes, and they shaded a safety over the middle, so they kind of took that away. So he only had four catches for 46 yards, but, you know, other guys on the offense got an opportunity to do some stuff. Nick Muse did some nice things at tight end. Uh, Decarion Joyner finally got his first touch of the season, took it 47 yards for a touchdown. Um, so we definitely need to get him more touches. I think the one thing with him might be his hands, because I don't, I don't see why we're not getting him the ball. I don't know if it's something with, you know, he drops the ball too much or anything like that. I mean, it can't be worse than the rest of the receiving group, though. Yeah, I mean, behind Shai Smith, Leggett's had hella drops. I mean, I don't, I don't even know who else is out there because they don't show up on the stat sheet. There's just drops consistently. Yeah. yeah, I mean, before the season, J.C. Horn said he he looks like Debo Samuel did winning the balls in his hands, which I, I mean, I agree with. But you just have to get the ball in his hands. You know, I don't know if he has being a quarterback his whole life. I don't know if he has some problems catching the ball or whatnot, but. It was good to see him finally get a touch and, and show his explosiveness, show his speed, all that stuff. The O-line, they've, they've been really good run blocking pretty much all season, but pass blocking has been pretty poor. They gave up four sacks both the first two games and then two sacks to a not very good Vanderbilt defensive front. Um, and, and I don't know exactly how much, but I feel like every single one is off the right side of the line. The left side line has Dylan Wanham and Sedarius Hutcherson, who are two, you know, all SEC type guys. Sedarius Hutcherson actually won the the SEC Offensive Lineman of the Week for this week. Um, so they're they're two really good players, but the right side of the line does have some trouble pass blocking. So we need to get that cleaned up a little bit. On the defensive side of the ball, the D line looked looked pretty good, you know. J.J. Anibari is a beast. With Keir Thomas out this game, he's a starting D tackle. Zach Pickens played a lot of snaps. He actually played the most snaps on the defensive line, so that was good to see. He looks really good um, getting off blocks, all that stuff. He's, he's just a big guy out there. Jordan Birch uh, had a career high in snaps. He looked really good. 
I don't know if y'all saw the the kickoff where he just absolutely decleated that that Vanderbilt returner, but that was that was nice to see. And towards the end of the game, he got a fumble recovery, so he's out there doing some stuff. Ernest Jones, the middle linebacker, he was all over the field. Uh, the first two games, he was you know he was making tackles, but he wasn't you know doing as much as he did last year. He he had 13 tackles, one sack, and three tackles for loss against Vanderbilt, which is is a pretty good line right there. I think he's a pretty pretty underrated guy uh, linebacker-wise in the SEC. So hopefully he keeps that going. The secondary definitely could have looked better. You know, J.C. Horn continues to just lock anybody down that's on his side. I mean, he's an absolute beast over there. Izzy Mukamu went out again. I, I'm not sure exactly when he went out. It was sometime in the first half, but I don't know if it was that, if it was that groin again that, that, you know, kept him out of – a game earlier in the season or what it was, but we need him healthy for this coming week against Auburn. Um, but did his he backup, come back from that though? Uh, no, I don't think he came back in the game. I'm not, I'm not positive, but I don't think he came back in the game. He, he didn't play many snaps, but his backup, John Dixon has looked really good in coverage. His tackling needs to get a little bit better, but you know, that's, that's something you can improve on. Shiloh Sanders played a bunch of snaps at safety and he played, he played pretty well. He laid some big hits on some guys, which was good to see, but you know, I don't know about his coverage ability quite yet. And then Cam Smith came in, you know, he had that really, really tough game against Tennessee, the first game of the season to say the least. And he came in, he did some good things. He got a nice athletic pick at the end of the game. So that was good to see too. But again, it's, I mean, it's Vanderbilt. This, these are all things that should have happened. If they didn't happen, then it would have been a problem. So, you know, take all these, all these stats and all this stuff with a grain of salt. But it was nice to see the guys go out there and do what they're supposed to do. And then a little side note, the kicker, Parker White, was he was looking to become the, the leader in consecutive field goals made for South Carolina. And for some, for some stupid reason, Muschamp decides to try to kick a 54-yarder in wet conditions, and, you know, it, it ended a streak. So <laughs> that was unfortunate, and, and you know, I kind of I feel bad for Parker in that. But all in all, it was a good game. It was a clean game. You know, I think hopefully it's something that South Carolina can build some confidence on going forward because that's – I mean, that's something we need. We got a bunch of, bunch of tough games coming up on the schedule, so – Hopefully we can build off this. Guys can gain some confidence, and uh, we keep we keep going. So that's that's pretty much all I got for that. I think I think there's something to be said for going and doing what you're supposed to. Just kind of like you're like it's Vandy. So I mean they they did, but still in this day of college football, going out and doing what you're supposed to, and 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 beating a team that you're supposed to. I mean, a couple of weeks ago I was sitting here saying you know we're supposed to go beat this team, and we went up there and lost. So. I, I think that's a that's a positive to look at the coaching staff getting the team ready and the team being ready to go up there and play in not so ideal conditions. So and yeah. I also I also was happy to see y'all just ride Kevin Harris. I mean I've been talking yeah. about him. I've I felt like he's a pretty dang good running back, and so I've just been like you know run that man, and they have. So that's that's another good thing to see. The, and the, and the other thing is that the if Kevin Harris continues to be effective, you're going to continue to see Colin Hill not yeah. have to take over a game, right? And that's that's where he shines when you when you can spread the ball around, not have to take a bunch of deep shots. 
but again, kind of like Jeff Sims, you, if you can run the ball and create play action off of it, your, your entire playbook's wide open. That's why you no probably had two rushing that's, touchdowns this week, this week. I mean, exactly. There's, there's no quarterback that doesn't benefit from a good run game. So having Kevin Harris step up, I mean, it, it makes y'all a more complete offense for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, like, sure. I like to see that. I like to see that. I watched y'all's game and I turned, I think three different times and Kevin Harris had broke one and the one was the long one. So, I mean, I, I get it. You said it was Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's one strength, if they were to have one, was supposed to be their front seven. I know that their defensive line was supposed to be their best strength. So, Y'all handled business, so I would yeah. I would chalk it up as a positive and you're in the win column. Can't beat that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's definitely it's definitely nice to get the win. And I feel like there's been a lot of times in, in the must champ era at South Carolina where he kind of plays down to the competition's level. You know, you look at the App State game last year, we're we're the better team, but we played down to their level and ended up losing that game. So stuff like that, you know, I was I was honestly kind of nervous going into this game and going into halftime. It was only ten nothing, you know. It was, it, it really had me nervous, honestly. But the guys came out, made some adjustments in the, in the second half, and, and ended up playing a really good game. So it was good to see. But it'll definitely be be a test next week against Auburn. But with all that being said, uh, we'll go into the recap of the Georgia Tennessee game. So Devinny, what you got on that one? Oh man. Okay. To the woodshed. <laughs> yeah, in the second half, we took him to the woodshed. The first half was a little iffy. <clears throat> well, I uh, had someone tell me something about Tennessee fans, and y'all have already seen it, but I want the listeners to listen to this great statement. Uh, Tennessee fans only wear orange on three days, Saturday for football, Sunday for hunting, and Monday for picking up trash cans. That's right. <laughs> If that doesn't say Tennessee, I don't know what does. Well said. Um, the first half, really the first, we got the ball to open up the game, second play of the game. Trey Hill snapped it 30 feet over Stetson's head. Terrible start. Stetson had butterfingers. He couldn't corral the ball at all. Uh, Zamir couldn't even get it. So they recovered and ends up for an early touchdown. That didn't help at all. Even though it was Tennessee, you still can't do that to teams. Give them a freebie in the first 30 seconds of the game. After that, we got the ball back, and we actually punted the ball. Couldn't even score on that next drive. Stetson looked pretty pretty good, you know, not, not terrible, not great. On that uh, first drive, we got the ball back after they recovered the fumble. He, um, the play, he got sacked. Um, right before we punted it was like a third and 10 or something like that he got sacked and he actually or no it was a third and six and he had uh Pickens on a slant route on the right side of the field come in and Pickens made a good play on the corner and he didn't see him at all because he was immediately looking left he read the coverage wrong based on what they were running on that play he was supposed to look at Pickens but he didn't he ended up holding it too long and getting sacked and Zamir, that game, man, he, he was running soft every time he got the ball. He never would bounce it outside. I don't know what was wrong with him. And I thought – Do you think it's like lingering from the from the knee? Do you think he just maybe doesn't trust it 100% or do you think he's just lost a step? I don't know. I don't know because in the, the bowl game last year, he looked really good. 
he had some long runs against Baylor. I know it's Baylor, but still, I mean, he would bounce it outside of tackles if it was plugged up. But against Tennessee last Saturday, I mean, if it was plugged, he would still just dance around and fall over and run it for two yards. I mean, you hear like he cuts it up in practice. Like in practice, they say he he runs, you know, like like the kind of like old Zamir, you know, like he makes cuts and hits holes. But I, I don't know in the games. I, I think I was more disappointed in in a goal line situation when you need like less than a yard. Yeah, you, that man's got to get it. He's too yeah. big. He got he got he got two um two of them, but that uh, that last one he. The, I went over. I looked over that play a little bit, and it was the the blockers never got to the linebackers, and then they both got right to Zamir. But still, I mean, it's one yard. You're supposed to be in between the tackles, running back. You gotta you gotta do something. Dive over them, yeah. try to run through them. You gotta do something right there. Make it happen. Yeah, make it happen. Especially being a highly talked about running back in the SEC and not of all college football. He didn't impress me. Saturday and had high high hopes for him. Y'all know that. You know, we're talking about how I think it was last week against Auburn that he wasn't the best running back, and I defended him a little bit. And Saturday, I mean, y'all y'all put the nail in the coffin right there for y'all. He did because he didn't he didn't look too hot. He was running soft, and I didn't you know I didn't know what to think about it. Kendall Milton looked really good for a yeah. freshman running the ball. He had a really good run. But like four or five tackles at a lot of scrimmage and got first he, down. To me, he he kind of, you know, I'm not going to give him this this high of praise quite yet, but he runs a little bit like Todd Gurley did when he was at Georgia. Oh yeah, it's simple. Yeah, yeah, kind of that upright. <laughs> it's yeah. not outrageous to say that that's his style because he he does remind you of him. Yeah, yeah. So, and and I think he's going to be good. I, that's why I was saying in the groups that or the group chat when we were watching that game, if if Zamir don't you know get it turned around. McIntosh, Kendall Milton, and then if you throw in Cook, you know, as your all-purpose guy, he can find himself not playing, you know. Cook oh, yeah. didn't have a single carry on Saturday. Well, I he, think he he's, lingering. he's yeah, lingering. He's lingering. He's lingering. Oh, he's out. Okay. Injury. Okay. Um, yeah. But Kirby said that he was – he was – they would have played him for emergency. Yeah. Like if we were – we needed I mean, a score or something. But Your running back yeah. room is stout. I mean, yeah, it, don't, it ain't like – we didn't really need it. He did dress out, though. I saw him dressed out on the sidelines. He was carrying his helmet. Hell, and what's the other freshman's name? I can't. Edwards. McIntosh. Yeah, De- yeah. Edwards. Dejan. Dejan Edwards. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's, he's a good runner, too. Yeah. So, I mean, if if Zamir don't – I mean, I know it could be a mental thing in, in the games, but if he don't get that t- turned around, he could he could find himself struggling for some, some carries. He but better... I think it's also telling that, I mean, when you look at the game, Zamir had 22 carries. McIntosh and Milton combined for 16, eight apiece. Here, it's clear going through the week in game planning who the top back is. Well, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I, they're trying to get him. I think over. eventually, yeah, you gotta you gotta look at, at Milton and, and McIntosh starting to eat into carries. But like Davini was saying against Auburn, when we were saying, you know, what we were saying about Zamir and how you know he looks slow, he he's not running hard. It's still early. I mean, yeah, you know, Tennessee has a Tennessee's got a good linebacker group, so. Maybe Their maybe there just wasn't are. holes, but you know I think I think we'll find out this week. Alabama's got some issues up front. They've got some issues everywhere on defense. Um, so we'll it, it it'll be telling for for Zamir and the rest of the the running back room as to as to who's who's the alpha. Yeah, I was gonna bring that up when when we talk about the games coming up on Saturday. 
Well, yeah. Hells Amir is going to have to step it up. But going back, I'm sorry, I got sidetracked there for a second. Going back to the game, they came in, you know, saying they were going to run all over us because they do have a good offensive line. Psych. <laughs> pretty pretty good running back, Gray and Gray and Ty Chandler. Um, they didn't do shit. They only they didn't they both had eight carries. One for twenty five yards, one for eleven. I mean, negative one rushing yard on the total. Yeah, on the game. total. That's because Garantano had negative forty. Still, <laughs> yes, yeah, that yardage. Tough. Yeah, yeah, that is tough. Yeah, I, I don't did, care how much sack yardage you give up. You're you should be able to rush for positive yardage. Yes, at the end I, of the game, I agree. Especially with how they before going into Saturday, they were leading the SEC in rushing. I'm pretty sure, weren't they? Or they were one of the top I believe three. so. They yeah. were up there. Yeah. Um, they got to, you know, they came in trying to run the ball, and we just weren't letting it happen. Um, early on, uh, Garantano, much that pain to say, he did make a couple good throws. He made a horrible throw on that pick, but that um, touchdown to Palmer when DJ was covering him, that was a good play by the Perfect receiver. throw. That was a really good throw. Palmer, yeah. And the one after the, the first touchdown he threw, after the penalty on that, uh, I think it was a, or may, may have gotten the fourth down conversion when um, he threw it in the air and the receiver made a good play and jumped up and high pointed the ball. DJ scares me a lot when they put him out there on, on an island with a receiver. He was kind of like that last year. He was like, the counting coverage, you don't know what's going to happen when the ball's in the air. It could be real good or it could be real bad. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Not a whole lot of in between. But, but the, I was I was really happy with the defense in the second half. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think after watching that game, I came to the conclusion there's two defenses in the country right now, and it's Georgia and Clemson. <laughs> Other than that, nobody's playing defense, and y'all are playing it at a – especially Georgia – a serious high level. Yeah, Georgia's defense looked ridiculous. I mean, yeah. they, they, I mean, Tennessee could not, couldn't buy yards it's, that game. I mean, it was crazy. It's, it's the ability to pressure the pocket with about eight different dudes. Yeah, like, that's and what's we unique. ran. I love uh, someone pointed out um, there was a uh, play where Garantana, one of the one of the five sacks. We ran a spy play, and guess who was the spy? The defensive tackle, 290-pound defensive tackle. That's how versatile our guys are on defense. I mean, Kirby feels comfortable to put a big guy like that and spy the quarterback before he runs out of the pocket and gets positive yards. That's why I think they've been so dominant so far is because they got guys that can just get to the ball and go across the field. LeCount showed it. He ran – Across the field from one tackle. I wish I could pull up the film and show you all, but it's just one of those plays where everybody on the defense gets after it. And that's the biggest thing with any good defense. You'll notice two things. The first one is you got versatility. You got guys that can either play different positions or, or do different things. And the second is just a lot of functional depth. Because yeah. if you're going to beat somebody for 60 minutes, you better have two or three deep at every position that are functional, that can come in and know their assignment, not have mental lapses. Yep. And for Georgia, they're just – they're at every position. They're all freaky, athletic, fast, long, aggressive as hell. I mean, 
there it's a bunch of dogs out there for real it is man i love it i love watching it especially being in the stadium and watching the game just makes it i wish i could go to every game just because i, I know y'all do too but it's just it's so much different when you're in the stadium and it's live and you don't have to watch it on tv and look at stupid replays and all that stuff oh trust me i know because i'm texting y'all like i'm either saying you know a lot of cuss it, words <laughs> i mean a lot i'll say a lot of cuss words or i'm like saying let's go way y'all are like dude that hadn't even happened yet what are you talking about so yeah Overall, or, yeah, yeah reviews i'm guys <laughs> yeah was it, was it a catch what was it what's the deal the fumble was neat at um that going on another topic stetson he he missed a couple reads like i said earlier he makes most of his money his money throws are in between the numbers. And that's one thing I'll talk about later when we talk about the games coming up against Alabama. But he has a third of his yards are in between the numbers. And he, I think he's like like 65 or 70 uh, completion percentage in between the numbers on those, you know, throws. And like y'all saw that, uh, the long throw that should have been a pick. It was a duck, a big duck. And there was also – Another play. A big duck. When I when I I, I, t- <laughs> I texted y'all about one play where he threw it late up the middle to Kiaris Jackson, but he's still scored. He was looking for Jermaine on the outside, but Tennessee ran a uh, two high man, so two safeties because they were trying to prevent the big plays with George Pickens and the other guy on the outside, so we couldn't really throw down the sideline that much. I feel like Stetson played that pretty well. He didn't try to force anything except that one throw. But I'll uh, I'll quit lingering on here. Hey, how many how many uh, quarters of football have y'all played without a rushing touchdown again? Since twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen, dude. That's a uh, long time. And guess who it was against? Tennessee. Alabama. Jalen Hurts, right? No, that was uh, it was running back. I think it was Najee actually. No one was he. I don't remember. I don't remember who they who was running the ball for Alabama two years ago. That's that's some dominant stuff right there. Like at at this point, it's like okay, somebody just take the damn challenge and score on on a a rushing touchdown, y'all's defense. It's hard. It's hard to get in the red zone. So overall, it was um pretty good, pretty good performance. Not when I I didn't really like it too much in the first half. We gave him a touchdown right off the bat, which didn't help. It should have been a bigger score. We should have beat him by 35 at least because of that fourth and goal. It was really first and goal, and we couldn't even score on the one-yard line. And we should against teams like that, I feel like. So it could have been a lot better, but we shut them out in the second half, 27 nothing. They improved. So I'm looking forward to the game this Saturday. It should be fun. Yeah, it was almost – it was kind of funny looking back at, at the score. It's, you know, 44 to 21, but y'all really gifted them the first seven points. Like, you just yeah. – you just you spotted them the first seven and be like, here, we're still going to beat the shit out of you. So, yeah. It was – it was – those two touchdowns, too, they were 30-yard bombs. Yeah. But anyways, Sam, you want to get into the Clemson-Miami game? Yeah, I mean, I don't have a ton on this one. Um, but I'll, I'll just say that, that personnel is probably the, the most important factor in winning games. 
Um, so if you have better players, you can line up and beat people. But when you have better coaches, I mean, it, it gets ugly. So shout out Tony Elliott, Brent Venables. You know, Tony Elliott, he takes a lot of heat from from Clemson fans from time to time. But he did an awesome job this week. Um, Dabo tipped his hand a little bit Wednesday afternoon um, after practice on, last week. He said that one of the biggest things was was manipulating Miami's defensive line. They're aggressive. Their pass rush is really the strength of their whole defense. So talking about manipulating their line, I mean, hell, we did that to a T. Just a lot of quick passes, screens, sweeps. Uh, Miami has this thing where when they're in, you know, legitimate pass rush downs, their defensive linemen are spread so far apart. And and Florida State was able to hit some draw plays, some, um, you know, just some backside stuff that took advantage of, of those gaps. And we did too. Uh, I thought it was a really well-called game from, from Elliott. Obviously, 88 total snaps from the offense, and we targeted or gave the ball to Travis Etienne on 29 of those. So the most differential player on the field, just trying to feed him the ball. I mean, it, and it worked out. You know, 17 carries, 149 yards, half of that coming on one play where he just, Davis Allen just cleaned up Zach McLeod on the edge, and, and Travis does the rest. We've seen it time and time again. I mean, you know, 12 targets, eight catches, 73 yards, most of that after the catch, we only targeted him downfield one time, wasn't able to bring it in. But, you know, it was it was also good to see our tight ends getting involved. Um, I'll talk about this a little bit later on, but in self-scouting over the offseason, Tony Elliott talked about a couple of the things that we weren't doing. It's attacking the middle of the field and, and, and using our, our running backs in the past game. So having Braden Galloway back has been huge for the tight ends. Um, he had a good first game against Wake Forest, but then we've kind of we've kind of seen us go back to our you know, a little bit vanilla play calling. And I don't know if that was in a, in a, you know, a sense where we're not trying to put too much on tape against teams that we feel like we should be able to beat just lining up, doing what we do, or if that was just sort of game flow. But the tight ends got involved in this one. You know, Galloway with a couple of big touchdowns early. Uh, it was good to see Davis Allen getting on the fun um, with a touchdown down the scene late in the game. Davis Allen is a guy that he's 6'5", 6'6", about 245, 250. Uh, he's a big dude. He's athletic. Uh, and the, the coaches just rave about him all the time. They just talk about how physical he is, how he's such a smart player. Um, and when he's in the game blocking the H-back tight end split out, um, you know, you can see it. He really gets after it. Um, I mean, he put he put Zach McLeod in the dirt. So, you know, seeing him, the fruits of his labor blocking and, and, and doing all the little things right, you know, getting a chance to get the ball late in the game, that was nice. You know, glad he got in the end zone. And then, you know, to the other side of the football, Brent Venables, dude, this is what we see time and time and time again. If you have a weakness, he's going to exploit it early and often. For Miami, obviously, with, a, with an athletic quarterback, a guy that's, you know, when he gets out of the pockets, when he's the most dangerous, we did a really, really good job, much better than against uh, than we did against Virginia, of just caging in the, the pocket. Our defensive ends were, were sound in the rush lanes. We weren't rushing up the field, giving him, you know, space to run. Um, and then alongside of that is just pressuring the hell out of the A-gap, bringing Skalski and, and uh, Baylor Spector up the middle. You know, a lot of what Miami does in the run game is based off the read. Um, and we absolutely shut down Cameron Harris. Uh, Don Chaney, don't remember seeing him. Jalen Knighton had some snaps. Don't remember him getting past the line of scrimmage much. Just completely clogging up the run game, forcing De'Aaron King to beat us from the pocket. He couldn't do it. I mean, you know. But it's also really good to see that for the first time in a couple of years, we may not have the elite talent in the secondary like we've had, but I feel like we've got a lot of depth. 
Um, you know, Andrew Booth has really started to separate. He's playing with a ton of confidence right now, just long rangey out there. And then on the other side, Darion Kendrick on the season has not allowed a completion. As of right now, PFF has him as the number one graded corner in the country. You know, he hasn't seen the elite receivers, probably won't for a few more weeks. Um, so just just really good to see the the secondary stepping up right now. But, you know, I, I wasn't shocked to see us win. I wasn't shocked at all to see that. But just just the margin of, of, of victory and the fact that really after the first drive, after Quincy Roche was off sides on fourth down, you know, negating that that stop after that play, I really felt like there wasn't a whole lot of competitive snaps. Miami was out of it early, you know, and we just we just continued to hammer them. Uh, so uh, a vintage performance from from Brent Venables in the defense and the offense, Trevor, Travis, they, they do what they do. So excited to see that we uh, we shut up Miami, shut up ESPN. So uh, on to the next one. Yeah, I mean, speaking on those corners, they're just they're just crazy athletic out there. Darion Kendrick and, and Booth, they're just both crazy athletic guys. I mean, Darion Kendrick came in and was a receiver at first. And yeah, yeah it was a five-star guy from Rock Hill. We, yeah. as his freshman year, we played him a lot in the slot. It didn't have a ton of meaningful snaps, but he, he popped some big plays, super athletic. And then we got into some depth problems, uh, you know, a couple springs ago because we just had, didn't have a ton of corners and the guys that we did have were, were hurt. They just said, hell, DK, go play defense for a couple of practices, just, just for some depth. And he's out there locking up dudes and they're like, okay, this is, this is this might work, dude. So and really, this is his first after a year of being an actual cornerback. I think we're starting to see some of the technical stuff, the smaller things, the little nuances of the game that make you really good. You're starting to see that from DK. Yeah. Like he's jumping screen passes, breaking them up. He's letting like the interception he had against Will Mallory. That's a tight end. If you watch it from the, he lets Will Mallory get behind him. He's baiting Derek King like, please throw this to me because that, that's this is my ball. I was so just about to say with, he he just there were a couple better, of those playing with a lot of confidence. There were a couple of those d- downfield passes where it's almost like okay he he lags a little bit behind him and then he he knows he's got that that speed and athleticism to make a play on the ball and it just baited Derek King so so well. So those were some some nice plays. I got a question: the Specter kids, the are they they're brothers? Obviously, right? They are. Yeah, and they were recruited together like both committed same time kind of deal or no um Balin is a is a redshirt junior so his it's his fourth year on campus oh, okay um their their parents went to Clemson I believe their older sister was a cheerleader at Clemson so they had ties to the program through that um Balin was a guy that really wasn't recruited at all um but he had a he had a pretty good showing at a camp he was one of those guys that Brent Venables likes just a grinder um so he got an offer and he's 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 bide his time, you know, he's, he's put in the work. So he's, he's one of those guys that, you know, Brent Venables trusts out there and he, him and James Skalski, they might not be the most athletic, but they're smart. It's like Ben Bowler. He made up for his lack of athleticism because he knew he was so well prepared. It's like a coach on the field and, and having two linebackers out there like that now is, you know, with a young defense, Balin hasn't played a whole lot, but he knows what the hell's going on back there. That's and then the his thing. brother, uh, Brandon Spector, he's a redshirt freshman, and they talk about him, just the coaches, just glowing reviews all the time. They talk about short area quickness. They say he's like Hunter Renfro. He's not as quick. The route running isn't as crisp. He's not as technically sound. 
but he's got a lot more speed. I, I, he's like a legit four five, high four four guy. Um, so seeing him in the slot getting work early is is good for everybody. That's the thing about y'all's defense is you look at like Skowski and then the Specter kids. It's just like I know y'all got a couple of good high uh, highly touted recruits at the linebacker position in this next class. So it's gonna be like, well, damn y'all, y'all gonna have some actual like you know dudes at linebacker now. How good are they gonna be? Because these guys are so well coached. Uh, at yeah. the linebacker and the, position. It's impressive. And the thing is, speaking of linebackers, Brent Venables is the linebackers coach as well. And he's so, you know, detail oriented that you almost never see freshmen come into play. Trey Lamar a couple years ago was a five star. He was the one exception. Um, and he played, it was more of a depth issue than him being ready. So even like Trenton Simpson that we got at the end of this last class is right. just a freak athletically. They really like him, um, strong side linebacker at the same spot, even playing a little bit of nickel because he's that athletic running back in high school. He just – he's not there yet. And we don't put guys on the field unless they're they're really about that life. So, yeah. you gotta you got to yeah. really earn it with, with our defense, especially the linebackers. So, it's – you know, yeah. having highly touted guys is great, but you just don't see guys playing early. Yeah. Well, I guess now we will move on to uh, – game previews for this coming weekend. I'll, I'll get the ball rolling on this one with the South Carolina-Auburn game. South Carolina opens up as a two-and-a-half point underdog to Auburn, which is actually, honestly, a smaller spread than I thought it was going to be. Um, I think it's a very winnable game either way. Auburn has been pretty shaky to start the season, to say, to say the least. Uh, they got blown out by Georgia. Uh, they probably should have lost last week to Arkansas. With that whole, you know, backwards, backwards <clears throat> spike. Yeah, that was the SEC came out and basically said that that was wrong. That should yeah, have been a lateral. A should have been a fumble. Yeah, so you know they they've been pretty shaky. Uh, they had they do have some explosive players on offense with you know Seth Williams, um, Anthony Schwartz, who's probably the fastest player in college football, if not one one of the fastest players in college football. And then Tank Bigsby, Tank Bigsby has really kind of proven that he's a really good player. He's kind of their RB1 now. Um, but they really haven't shown a whole lot on offense yet. You know, I, I feel good about J.C. Horn kind of locking down Seth Williams. I mean, Seth Williams is, gonna, is probably going to get a few receptions. You know, he's, he's a guy that high points the ball really, really well. Um, but, you know, J.C.'s, a, you know, he's just a lockdown guy out there. Um, Schwartz is, is a guy – to worry about. They like getting him the ball in a, a variety of ways, whether it's, you know, just a, a wide receiver sweep or, you know, short passes, screen passes, stuff like that. Um, South Carolina is going to have to tackle really well on the outside, especially on guys like that. You know, their defense has, you know, their defense is showing how much they lost last year. Um, they've been, they've been pretty shaky as well. They have a bunch of holes out there pretty much on all levels. So our offense is just going to have to figure out a way to exploit some of that, you know, feed Kevin Harris, all that, all that type of stuff. Um, the keys to this game for, for South Carolina to, to come out with a win, I think you got to stop the run, you know, limit tanks, big tank, bigs on, on big plays, get pressure on Bo Nix because, you know, as we've seen, when you get pressure on him, he kind of, he gets happy feet. He starts making bad decisions you know, all that, all that sort of stuff. He's, you know, I think he's a good player. He, he's good at throwing on the run. He's, you know, he's a solid guy, but 
if you kind of if you get him shaken up, then he starts making bad decisions, and and you can kind of you know you can kind of shut him down. Again, a key is feed Kevin Harris. The dude is a beast. He's really come out and and proven himself, uh, you know, throughout the league. And on the offensive side of the ball, you know, you got to just continue keep taking care of the ball. Colin Hills is just a guy that, that does exactly that. You know, he's not going to wow you with any passes or anything like that. You know, he's not going to throw, you know, I mean, he's, he's not going to throw for 350 yards or anything like that, but he takes care of the ball. He's smart with the ball. It, when there's a clean pocket, he's really accurate. So just make good decisions on that front. And then, you know, really just take, take the momentum that we got from this, from the blowout win at Vandy, uh, take that momentum and bring it into this game, play with confidence, play a clean game and, and just come in there, you know, expecting to win. And, you know, I think, I think it's definitely a winnable game for South Carolina. Carolina. Yeah. I just, one of the things that I think is important to note is that, you know, Bo Nix that we talked about, he, he, he just seems to be rattled fairly easily. And I think that's accentuated this year because their offensive line has a bunch of holes. Yeah. Um, so I think when you're looking at the matchup, you know, strength on on a weakness. I mean, Carolina's defensive line. If uh, is Kier Thomas going to be back this week? Yes. Or he should. Muschamp said okay. that he should play, but you, you never really know. Yeah, but you know, assuming Kier Thomas is able to play meaningful snaps and, and get reps, you gotta you gotta strength that the defense is arguably that defensive line. There's some depth there. I like Tonka Hemingway. He's a guy that's played well. Obviously, Birch, Zach Pickens stepping into a bigger role. You got some dudes out there that can press the pocket, so I think it's going to be important for for Carolina to get after the quarterback, be aggressive with your defensive lineman, show them some different things, stunts. You can confuse these guys up front. That's what Georgia did. Georgia either blew them off the ball or they stunned and completely confused them and had guys just rushing free. And yeah. Bo Nix was never able to get get into a groove. And I think that's going to be that's going to be the one to watch. If you can run the ball on their defense because they do have some holes, and then obviously getting pressure on Bo Nix, I think Carolina. This, this plays into y'all's strengths, frankly. If you can possess the ball on offense, run it, keep the clock moving, and then defensively just just try and press the pocket and, and trust your corners out there on islands with, with guys like Schwartz and Seth Williams. Yeah. I think yeah, it, I, I mean, think it's a good matchup. I, I think it I think it plays into y'all's hands really. Yeah. I mean it was it was definitely good to see this past week and it was good to see Ernest Jones really, you know, come back to the form that he was in last year getting a bunch of tackles, getting a bunch of, you know, hits behind the line, stuff like that, because he's going to be big. Because Bo Nix is, is an athletic guy that can, you know, scramble out of the pocket. So we're yeah, going to need we're gonna need Ernest Jones to, to really be on his game to, you know, and, you know, stopping the run and making sure Bo Nix doesn't have room to run. So, but yeah, we need, we definitely need McQuamu back as well to be out there because they do have some good receivers, but you know, I feel pretty confident in, in J.C. Horn and then John Dixon has has, has really come on in coverage, at least. Um, like I said earlier, his tackling could be better. But, you know, from a coverage standpoint, he's, he's done pretty well. So, And that's the I thing think, with all young DBs. They got to learn how to be physical at that level. Yeah. So I think, it, I think it, it for just, the first things on. first is you just got – I think Tank Bigsby is probably the biggest threat. I mean, what did he go for 100%. 250? He went for 250 last week. All-purpose yards? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like 268 or something stupid. That's – I mean, so load the box up, you know, stop stop him first and see if Bo can make plays. I, I don't personally think he will. 
But I think that's the best approach to go at it is make Bo Nix beat you with his arm because he hasn't done that a whole lot in his career. Uh, yeah. I trust I trust that 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 outside battle though between y'all's corners and their wide yeah. receivers. Y'all 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 had y'all got some good some dogs out there in the secondary that can play and are very physical. I like that matchup a lot. And y'all's I'm actually I think I'm actually gonna pick y'all later on because of y'all's offense and how it if y'all get momentum, y'all can roll down the field a little bit. Y'all did it against Tennessee, some drives y'all did against y'all even did it against Florida. You know, Florida's defense has holes too, but it's still Florida. They got dudes on the defense and y'all creamed Vandy. So I mean I feel like if y'all like Sid said, if y'all pressure Bo Nix, make him make mistakes, y'all win the turnover battle. I mean, I, I feel like it's gonna be a great game for y'all. Yeah. I mean, and again, South Carolina is a, is a huge man coverage team. I would love to see JC Horn just just shadow Seth Williams pretty much the whole game because Anthony Schwartz is, is really good, but he's not really a guy that you see beat like you know beat people down the field that much. You know, he's more of a short short passing game sweep type type game player. So I would love to see JC Horn shadow Seth Williams. I don't know if much Hank would do that or not because it seems that you know we just kind of we kind of stick JC to the um, you know, on his own island over there, whoever's whoever's out on that side. But it's going to be a good matchup. Yeah. Going off, going off Schwartz real quick. Um, he's he's a track speed guy. Um, he's yeah, he's one of those right. guys that you don't you don't really see him run routes like that. Yeah. Um, you know, they they try and get him the ball like you said, quick game screen slant, something that can get the ball in his hands early, or they're just going to let him run as far as he can, as fast as he can, and let Bo just chunk it up and get him. Uh, so he's a he's a he's a weapon, but schematically he doesn't do anything that scares you, right? Yeah. So it's not like Debo where he's he's a threat to take it to the house because he's gonna you know possess the ball in a lot of different ways and you know be able to run the entire route tree. He Seth Williams is that guy. So yeah. I think if if you know I, I like you said I, y'all's defense is fairly base where you know JC sits in the boundary and he's he's gonna cover your Z receiver, which is Seth Williams. So I don't, I don't necessarily think he's going to have to travel around the field to match up with him, you know. He's, he's guardable, too, when we saw he it is. against Georgia. I mean, Tyson Campbell's a great corner, but he's not a freak, you know. I feel like he's definitely – you can easily – not easily, but you can shut down Williams. He's not like Kyle Pitts over here who can jump 10 stories high and already have seven touchdowns. Even Kentucky <laughs> yeah. in the first half, you know, shut him down a good bit. So we'll see. Yeah, but going off all that, uh, we'll get into a very interesting game in Clemson, Georgia Tech. So I guess both of y'all can kind of go in and give your point of view in this game. Sid, you you go ahead and roll with it. Wow. Uh, I think it's definitely more difficult on my end. I don't even really know where to begin. I I watched Pinnables and Tony Ellett's uh, interview they posted today, just kind of, you know, their prep week interview normally every weekend. I like what Tony had to say. I mean, obviously, I know he's trying to keep his guys focused, but, you know, he talked about this, the staff and the direction we're headed and stuff like that. So he said some nice things. Um, he complimented our defense a little bit more. So I don't know if he sees more than what I do. But um, And then Brent was talking about our offense and how we act. the difference between last year's game prep and this year is a little different. So, I mean, I, th- I definitely think we have more uh, – I don't want to use the word weapons, but we've got more at like we've got more guys out there on the field that 
you got to kind of like Jameer, you got, you got to be prepping for him. And then Jeff is just not, I mean, he's not going to be go out there and throw for 350 and four touchdowns against a team like Clemson. But I mean, he's, he's going to go out there and, and play hard and he's so, going to make plays. He's, yeah. He's going to make some plays. I, I think we'll be able to run the ball a little bit. I don't think we'll be able to score more than say 17 points. I would cap that. I, I also think we're going to give up 45 plus. It's, it's inevitable. I, I mean, I don't know if we're a better. T- Miami definitely has way more talent than us. I think we coach better than Miami, personal. That's just me personally. Uh, so, I, I concur. So I, I think we'll have a game plan, and I, I know Jeff's going to have the guys ready. I still think we're not in a position to where no matter how ready we are and how, how coached up in the scheme, we, we're, we have a ceiling, and it's below Clemson's floor, in my opinion. So I, I, I'm looking forward to being in the game. I'm glad you're coming. I mean, it'll be fun. We'll be there. I don't know. I'm I'm looking forward to see what we do against a team that you know is as dominant as Clemson. We could end up with negative rushing yards like Tennessee. I mean, who knows? I don't know if I if I uh, not with that tandem in the backfield, man. Yeah, not with our backfield. Not negative. No shot. That, that's unless, pretty unless hard Jeff to do. Sims gets sacked a dozen times, which yeah. won't happen. I think something that Tech should do a lot this game is just, just try to get the ball to Jameer Gibbs and not necessarily just handing the ball off to him, but, you know, screens, short passes, stuff like that. Get the ball. I mean, he's, he's kind of proved himself as the best playmaker on the team, so just get him the ball in a variety of ways and see what he can do with it. I mean, I agree with you that Clemson's probably going to win the game by, you know, double-digit points, but yeah. get, get Jameer the ball as many ways as possible. That gives you all the best chance to compete, I think. Yeah, I think that's another thing. We're, we've done a really good job of getting Jameer in space. Um, I, we, we're pretty predictable when it comes to, I mean, Jameer running that option route on that uh, receiving touchdown. Uh, if, if your linebackers, they got to be good to keep up with a guy like Jameer because he's got he's got two options there, and him and Jeff are, are pretty uh, on the good on being on the same page there. He can either take that out in the flat, depending on which way the tight end takes his defender, or he can cut it up the middle once they clear that safety. And he made a good play on that one. So I think we'll be able to make some plays, maybe get it in the end zone, maybe twice. Clemson's defense is just so dominant. They suffocate your offense, no matter who your playmakers are. You got to be, you got to be out there, you know, on your game. And I I don't know. I'm interested to see how it goes. I got told, I was sitting there watching the game with Anna and she was videoing me. She was laughing at me because I was like, they could score a hundred on us, but I mean, I don't, I don't see it going that bad, but I'm not even to the point where I'm like nervous about it. It's just like, let's go. Let's see how, we, I mean, if we come out there and we lose by, you know, two touchdowns, I don't see that happening. But if we do, I'd be, I hate to say it, but I, that's, a win. Right. Yeah, that's a win, especially yeah. for our program right now. We've got some momentum going right now. We're recruiting. Got a couple of transfers we're about to get. We're about to get another one. Just got a pretty high-rated one. So I think it's important to go out there and play a competitive ball game. Yeah, and I mean, at, at the very least, this this is a game that, you know, there's a lot of the young players on Tech, and this is a game, you know, they're going up against the best of the best. So it's I think it's a game that they can really grow, kind of see, you know, Brent Vittle is going to throw a bunch at him. Brent, Brent Vittle is probably one of the best defensive coordinators. Not probably. He is one of the best defensive coordinators in football. So, Thank you for clearing that up. I was going to correct you. Yeah, so 
So this, this is a game where they're going to see a bunch of different things. They're going to be able to, you know, it's, it's going to be a, definitely a learning experience for, for those guys. And I think they're going to be better for it probably. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And also like in, in our post-game presser last week, Jameer, like he's a man of few words. He don't really say a whole lot in his interviews. He's just like, I'm looking forward to next week. They kept asking him about the game. He's like, I'm just looking forward to next week. I want to play against Clemson. He's like, this is, this is what you come to play at a school like Tech. You want to play these teams. So we're looking forward to it, and we're going to be ready. So, I mean, it, it ain't like, you know, we got guys out there that aren't looking forward to this. So I, I, I'm excited to see what, what goes down, as, as hard as that is to believe I am. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my, my thoughts on this are not so much about the game, but more so just about what's going on with Jeff Collins at Tech. It just can't be understated what he's doing from where he started to where the team is now. I mean, it's a complete roster overhaul. I mean, offensively, you can't keep any of the same personnel that he started with. So this is his second full season. Obviously, coming in at the end of 2018, he was able to secure up, you know, tie off some loose ends in that 2018 class that finished 53rd overall in rivals. And obviously last year, 43rd overall, you get guys – um, like, you know, Jameis and Amarian in that, that 2019 class. And then this past class, freshmen that are there now, you know, you're yeah. talking Jameer Gibbs, Miles Brooks, Jeff Sims, legitimate difference makers. Yeah, that um, one so guys that are the guys that are 25. on the field. Yeah, finishing 25 overall. And right now you're sitting 18th in this 2021 class. A guy that, that I know you really like out of Dekula, Caleb Edwards. Yeah. James Blackstrain's a, a hell of a player at receiver. He'll give you another good athlete out there. But obviously the recruiting base inside the 285 loop, I mean, that's that's enough to build a power five contender. I know there's some restrictions with the academic requirements and stuff, but the talent is there. And and Jeff and Jeff Collins is doing a really good job of creating that brand, the the 404 and, and really making it about staying home for these guys. Yeah. So it's and I, think and it's I mean deal. that that was a question in Tony Elliott's interview that they were like, what's the recruiting piece like with against tech now? And he's like it's completely different. They had a guy, they had a, a fit for their old program. And he's like, now when I'm on the recruiting road, uh, these coaches are there and they have a lot of energy and they're, they're putting their hat in the table with these big recruiting battles. They're not afraid to, of any of these, these guys. So that, that's also big and getting a, a school like Grayson that puts so much talent out. We, I mean, we have three guys committed from them right now to, uh, in this one class. And then we took two from last class and then, Kenyatta Watson transferring from Texas, coming back home. He's from uh, Grayson, and his dad used to coach there and runs a lot with the Under Armour All-American game. So, I mean, just getting guys like that, it's big. So all these guys that transfer out, they're kind of coming home. You know, Miles Sims, Derek Allen from Notre Dame, Michigan, Antonius Clayton coming back home. So, I mean, he's got the right idea, like you said. So we went from having, I told you all today, three four-stars when he came on this roster, and now we've got – I think six guys from the past two classes that were in the rivals top one 100 or top 150 at least. And then a couple more from the top 250. So that's a complete turnaround, you know? So I don't know. I, yeah, I, I like to see 100%. the progress we make against the team. Last year we came out there and we, I, we didn't have an identity on offense. We started Tobias, then we ran Lucas and then we ran James Graham and it was a little bit like, of James Graham. Yeah. We, it, it was a mess. So if we come out here and we stick to our identity of what we've been trying to do this year, run 12 personnel, you know, don't get in there trying to do all this kind of crazy stuff and just try to try to play big boy football. I'm interested to see if we can do it. Yeah. I mean, my, my really, the only thoughts on the game, I think, I think we understand 
there's the gap there, but this is a measuring stick for y'all. Right. Like, like, you know, Jameer Gibbs was talking about, you, you want to play the best. You want to see how you stack up. And I think as time goes on, Jeff Collins is going to start to, the gaps are going to be, you know, incrementally, you know, closed between, you know, the Clemson's and Georgia's on your schedule every year. So, I mean, uh, you know, with, with all that said, I, I don't see Trevor playing much, if at all, in the fourth quarter. I right. think we'll continue to feed Travis the ball. But like you said early on, you know, or I think Jacob may have brought it up, getting Gibbs the ball in space. I think, that, you know, like we did with Miami, manipulating the defensive line, kind of, you know, negating that rush a little bit and taking advantage of the fact that our linebackers really aren't the most athletic. They may know where the, where the play's going, but they're they're not that fleet of foot. So if you can get Jameer Gibbs some some quick passes, some screens, I, I, think, I think you'll be able to, to keep it interesting and at least be competitive. Um, because ultimately, that's that's really what this what this game is about. It's just it's a measuring stick. Yeah, I think the screens are a good point. We got to keep. I mean, Brett obviously he likes he likes putting pressure on offenses. So, I mean, if we can try to keep y'all honest now, obviously y'all are well coached and recognizing screen screen and all that. So, um, I'll be interested to see what we do on that that uh, aspect of things as well. But I the, I would say the biggest thing that scares me is. Travis, I mean, I, I just – he's so slippery and just so tough to tackle. And the way our tackling's been and our linebacker play, I'm just I'm, – I'm worried about just getting gashed just about every play. But, you know, I mean, hey, that only makes you better. I'm also interested to see how we compare to Miami's defensive line because I feel like our edge rushers can be just as good. Jordan Dominic's one of the highest-rated defensive ends in the ACC – actually in the country – and then Antonius, if he can get if he can get pressure, you know, I, I know we're not probably going to get a whole lot of pressure on Trevor and make him uncomfortable. But I mean, I want to see, you know, I, I do want to see some pressure and see what how we stack up because Miami wasn't able to get a whole lot on Trevor. Yeah, and I guess I'll, I'll wrap it up with this. I kind of touched on the the scheme differences that we have this year, but I think right now we're used to having that big ass Z receiver, that that alpha male, you know on the edge that we can just feed the ball to in the passing game. We don't have that. So we had to, you know, like, like I was saying earlier, we don't use the middle of the field a lot. We have this year tight ends and, and getting Travis the ball, Amari Rogers in the slot. We're feeding him the ball. Our, our route concepts are much, much better. Um, and we're just more multiple. A lot, a lot of what our running backs did last year was staying in and pass pro. And now we're, we're sliding these guys out. We're doing screens. So when you got a guy like Travis Etienne, that's I mean he's he's a hundred yards and two touchdowns on the ground, waiting to happen every week, yeah. and now you're talking about getting him you know six, eight, twelve targets a game in the pass. I mean it 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 makes him so much more deadly. He can hurt you all by himself. This past week he outgained Miami by his lonesome. So I mean that's it is what it is. He's he's the best player in the country. Right? We're gonna end up missing him more than we miss Trevor. He's just different. So, yeah. but before we before we waste too much time, we'll we'll get into this uh, this game of the week, the one we all want to hear about: Georgia, Bama, a little bit of big boy football. Oh yeah, Quote baby! Go ahead and say it, Devaney. Oh yeah, baby! Say what? It just, it means, just more. means more. It just it, means it, more. It does. It does. It does um, indeed just mean more, though. More points, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> yeah. So this game coming up, uh, we see here Bama is not that does not have that dominant defense like they always have in the past. They gave up 48 points to Ole Miss. You know, granted, Lane Kiffin is a really good play caller and he knows how to expose defenses, but it's just 
not there, like Sam said earlier. They got they got some holes on defense. They got some young guys out there besides Dylan Moses at linebacker. He came back. He tore his ACL last year, so he's our he's our guy on defense right now. But I haven't really I haven't really been able to watch much Alabama games, to be honest with you. But uh, I don't know. I just don't. I'm not too impressed with that defense. But going off of that, their offense is stellar. They never missed a beat from last year with Tua. I mean, Mac Jones has 1,100 yards with eight touchdowns in three games. Najee Harris, 350 rushing yards. Jalen Waddell, Javante Smith coming back. Those are two guys are going to get drafted in the first couple rounds in this draft coming up next year. They got they got dogs on the offense. They put up 63. They're averaging 51 points a game, even though they haven't they haven't seen a defense. Like Georgia's, obviously, but it's it's gonna be a good game. I feel like it's gonna be a chess match, and I, I do think Kirby's gonna be the first assistant uh, to beat Saban. Yeah, uh, you know, he's twenty one and zero against. So if yes. you're a, if you're a betting man, you're not doing so well picking picking against. Uh... I I think the the one with the best shot of, of beating Saban is is Kirby Smart. I mean, you know, definitely, Alabama's. Definitely. Alabama's strength is their offense. Georgia's strength is their defense. So it's strong on strong there. And then Georgia's offense is definitely they're 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 solid. You know, they're they're not fantastic. They're not an Alabama type offense, but they are a really solid offense. And then then Alabama's defense, you know, they've shown they have a bunch of holes. So I mean they're 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 allowing four hundred and seventy yards a game. So it's definitely going to be like, like you said, it's definitely going to be a chess match. It's going to kind of be who who draws up the better, the better scheme on both sides of the ball for this game. You know, who come who shows out more offense or their defense, like uh, Sam has said before. So you know, it's and I think this is going to be a big game for Stetson too. And Very much so. I mean, this I think this game will solidify if Stetson can get us to the to the playoff. I mean, this is this is the biggest game of the season early on. So, I think, you know, like we've already talked about, it's going to be about whose weakness plays better. Yep, Bama's right. defense has been a weakness thus far. They're 11th worst unit in the country. That doesn't happen with Nick Saban. No. And the, and the other thing is, it's it's been a lot of lapses because they have the athletes. They recruit them. They oh, yeah. got the guys. They got dogs. We know it's not the scheme because it's it's been working for, you know, a decade and a half now. It's not that. It's not the X's and O's. It's not the personnel. It's just between the ears, it seems like. You know, Saban coming off the field against Ole Miss, you could tell he was just seething. So I I have a feeling that, you know, you can't fix everything in a week, but I just have a feeling that Bama, they're they're kind of like Clemson in the sense that when the lights are bright, boy, they they come and you better buckle the hell up. And I I I think you have to look at, like, all – Alabama has Charlie Strong as an analyst over there. I wasn't ever impressed with Charlie Strong coach teams, but I think he's a pretty good defensive coach. They've Very. got they've got good minds over there. They're going to be sitting there, you know, making a lot of adjustments. They're going to make so, sets and throw the ball. Yeah. I think you have to. You have to. You have to put the game in that kid's hands, without yep. a doubt. Because he really – he's been 
like Fromm in the past, he's kind of managed. He's relied on that stellar defense to where it's you just hand it off and you win time possession. It's funny because y'all, y'all get this down. new offense coordinator. Yeah. Everybody's like, I'm so excited for this new offense. It's like – And you can't even use it. We get the same Georgia team, a on ridiculous offense, yeah, defense. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, me but, too. um, so it's just like, it's, it's that we get a new coordinator and we're so excited to see the differences in the Georgia teams. And then it ends up being, okay, well, Dewan didn't work out. And now we put Stetson Bennett out there, which I feel like he's, he's a solid quarterback for y'all, but it's the same ridiculous defense. And then I feel like we're watching the same offense. So yeah. it's just kind of, it's kind of funny to see how that, how that goes for Kirby. But I, I do agree. I think y'all are the best chance or Kirby has the best chance to be the first guy to the to beat the they're all their similar father as yeah. as, the, as they call it you know I think I think uh Stetson is like from he's a you know he's utilized Georgia's defense and the offensive scheme and all that stuff but he's got legs so that's one thing I'm interested to see I know Saban's going to dial up pressure on Stetson because against Tennessee when guys were um, rushing him a little bit, he got cold feet on a couple of those plays where he got sacked and or when he chunked the ball up. But I feel like he, he's going to make some plays. And one other thing, too, I want to note with our offense, we need to get George Figgs ball. He's ball. He only has eight catches for like 80-something yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, facts. That's, that's the most – you know, one of the most dynamic players in the SEC, and he's hardly got any touches. And He's easily the biggest weapon on y'all's offense, and he's just oh yeah. underutilized. Hands down. And he's only played one, I think a couple plays. I think it's actually one play. He played in the slot. I think they need to utilize that more, and they need to get him the ball quick, get him an open space because – you saw last year, he's, dude. He's anything good. you can do to get him get the ball in his hands. This is supposed to be a more innovative offense. Where are the sweeps? There's still not a whole lot of motion. I mean, this is a guy that's coming from the NFL, and I feel like there's a lot of those concepts and things that you see that really work in the NFL that Georgia hasn't utilized yet. And I don't know if it's it's the same thing with us against Virginia. Maybe we just weren't putting a lot yeah. on tape. I don't Maybe know. Maybe you're I don't waiting know for that were, big matchup to yeah. break it out. But I don't know if they were saving it for Bama. That's a good point, but. It did hurt that Jamie opted out. Yep. But I was about to go there because how, how different would this offense look with Jamie Newman? Yeah. You know, I just I, wish my, we could have seen him. I just wish because it's hard to – Yeah, to, and, and, and my thing about, you know, with Stetson Bennett, a, a quick and probably understated definition of Stetson Bennett would be that he's never going to lose you a game. He's efficient enough to keep you in it, manage the game. But I don't think he's going to win him for you either. He's got to have the surrounding pieces. The supporting cast has got to be good. Um, but I think he's a good player. But I I think the ceiling of this offense was significantly lowered when, when Jamie Newman got scared of COVID. <laughs> yeah. It, I don't know, man. It's like I said, this weekend, I'm riding the mailman right now. But this weekend is going to be a big moment for him because I know Saban's going to want the ball. In his hands, for sure. Yeah, no, it's definitely that way. It's definitely, definitely going to be an interesting game. One thing I'm going to say, just kind of an overarching thing about Georgia is, is the one thing they've been missing for a while is that elite quarterback. You know, if they had, if they would have kept 
Justin Fields and had that guy or, or you know, Jamie Newman could have been that guy, then they could p- potentially be an unbeatable team because of that defense. But, you know, we'll, we'll see about this. We'll see about this weekend. We'll see what this, this is going to show kind of what, what Georgia's offense is really made of and what Alabama's defense is really made of. So it'll be interesting. But um, now we'll, uh, we'll go into the questions for this week. The first one being, you know, this past weekend, the, the Red River rivalry was definitely an interesting one. Oklahoma came out on top in, was it four overtimes? Yeah. Yeah, so the question is, was this win bigger for Oklahoma or was the loss bigger for Texas? I'll uh, start it off where you got it, Sam. Yeah, I'll, I'll hop on this one. I think without question, it's a bigger loss for Texas. I think for Oklahoma, we had so much bigger expectations for them that you were just kind of waiting for them to get back on track a little bit. So obviously they beat Texas and this could be a springboard for them to really get back into the uh, into the playoff picture possibly. You know, with two losses, we don't know how the season's going to turn out. They're definitely not out of it. But I think for Texas, I mean, this is the writings on the wall for Tom Herman. This is his fourth year. Their defense is still atrocious. Offensively, if they don't have Sam Ellinger, dude, they might not have they might not have picked up a first down. Literally. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they their offensive line drops back into pass sets and they're they're pretty good. Um, but I mean Sam Ellinger is everything for them. So I'm in and Tom Herman's supposed to be this offensive guy coming from Ohio State. He had a ton of success at Houston, but it just has not translated. You know, Texas is such a big brand that he's been able to recruit a little bit. But you know, when you're when you're Texas, you you expect more than that. Eight and four ain't gonna cut it. And yeah. having a quarterback like Sam Ellinger and not being able to put the pieces around him, not being able to put him in a scheme that he can be successful against an Oklahoma team that has more weaknesses than we've seen in probably the last four or five years. It's it's sad, really. I, I so I think it's definitely a bigger loss for Texas. I I don't know if Tom Herman's gonna survive because in a year with COVID a lot of these guys might get a little bit of longer leash because athletic departments just can't afford to, you know, pay buyouts and, you know, have the exhaustive search for a new coach, pay the new coach, hire new staffs. It's a lot of work, but Texas, they got the cash flow to do it. So it's just like right now what they're doing. I don't see how they get much better from right now. They have, they have a veteran quarterback in, in their, in terms of, you know, in their program, like you look at Oklahoma, they're going through headaches with Spencer because he's a freshman, but he's electric. He can get a lot better. He can take care of the ball a lot more. But with Sam, I mean, you're getting what you get, and it's good. I mean, he, he's I think a good he's, player. He's, he's a really a good, good player. player. But you don't, I don't really see where they go. If if Tom, Tom Herman, I think it's the staff, they've really got to turn it around if he wants to survive. Um, I don't know. Like you said, I don't, I don't see it going well for him. What is he, one and four against Oklahoma? Charlie Strong was fired for going one and three. That was one of the main things they said. They're like, dude, you went one and three against Oklahoma. We can't have that. He's one and four. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't get how a team like Texas being the brand of how big that state is. And they always say how they produce some of the best high school athletes, which they do have a lot of guys that come I out there and keep them there. end up very good. Yeah. I mean, they should be one of the best teams in the country. I mean, they really should be with all that talent around them. And they I, I think it boils down to what y'all were saying is coaching. I don't see Tom Herman being there much longer unless, you know, they turn the rest of the season around and go undefeated. 
yeah, yeah, I totally yeah, agree. As if. Yeah, and I, I I definitely agree with with the statement that I think it's a bigger loss for Texas because, you know, this with with Oklahoma losing two in a row, this was kind of Texas's shot to to get to the top of the Big Twelve and kind of you know show their dominance over that Oklahoma team that has given them so much trouble, you know, has gotten their coaches fired in the past and stuff like that, and you know it was it was a really good game, but in the end they, they, you know, they came out with a loss and it's, it's not a good look for them. So I definitely think it's a bigger loss for Texas. I mean, it's a huge win for Oklahoma coming off those two losses, beating a, beating a, a solid team like Texas, but for Texas, man, it's just tough. Yeah, I agree. Especially when you're, you could put the nail in the coffin for your rival. If Texas wins that game, Oklahoma, I mean, they're, they're, they're playing for a bag of potato chips and maybe a bowl game at the end of the year. Yeah. It's looking yeah. bleak for them if they lose that game. So now you got okay, Spencer. We're we're banging our head against the wall when he's throwing those, you know, forcing throws and stuff. And you're you're, you know, you're taking your lumps with a freshman, but he beat Texas, so it's kind of like, I I can take my lumps with this kid, you know. I mean, I know they put Mordecai in there. They say Spencer had a little bit of a stinger or something like that. But I mean, Tech, uh, yeah, Spencer's yeah. their guy, and they beat Texas, you know, with him struggling. So yeah. So I guess with that said, we'll uh. We'll go into the next question. This is something that we've alluded to, probably the biggest storyline of the weekend. The SEC, where it just means more, and it means more points right now. The SEC defense is their MIA. So is this my question to you guys? I mean, aside from Kentucky holding, you know, Mississippi State to two points off of safety, Mississippi State's offense didn't score. I think that's the first time it's ever happened to Mike Leach where his <laughs> offense didn't score. <laughs> it's like a hard um, turn from week one. Georgia's defense looking dominant as ever. I mean, other than that, who are you going to point to? Florida's defense is normally really good. Not this year. I mean, but is this is this more of a sign of the times that the offenses and the RPO game that's so difficult to defend? Is it finally starting to take take over and sort of that old school mindset for for the SEC teams, or is this just a case of defenses being way ahead of the offenses right now? Yeah, it, I I think a lot has to do with it. I'm I'm not going to give a lot of credit to it, but a little bit is that you're playing SEC guys week in and week out, which usually doesn't happen. But at the same time, you're right. It it's supposed to be a defensive conference and we haven't seen that much at all Florida went down LSU went down the first week gave up 41 to Missouri this past week it's just you don't dude LSU is just a shell of their former self they are, who was LSU that was that was a good what um, happened was it you that said that was on Twitter and text message and oh, Gene Chizik? Yeah, I think it might be you. One of y'all sent it. Yeah, I, I sent it, <laughs> the, yeah. Uh, Gene Chizik, yeah, riding cam, which, I mean, right now, yeah, you can make it, but you never know what they're going to look like next year. But right now, they're not looking too good. I think back to uh, Coach O's speech against Bama. He's like, we're going to kick their ass in recruiting. We're going to kick their ass every year. It's just like, dude – Y'all, the stars aligned for y'all last year, so you might get it this year because the team, the product they're putting on the field right now, I mean, I get it. They lost an entire roster just about, but to Missouri like that, I mean, they they were down on the one-yard line, yep, first down one-yard line and could yeah. not get it in. Yeah. 
that was oof. yeah but i mean for the sec giving up a bunch of a bunch of points this past weekend and really the whole season so far i think a little bit has to do with the the different preseason but at the same time it's just i honestly don't know what's going on maybe it's just you know the offenses are getting more advanced and the defenses hasn't haven't caught up yet or you know, I don't really know, but it's super it's super weird to be watching, you know, a, an Alabama old miss game and it looks like Texas Oklahoma. It looks like a Big Twelve matchup with all the points that are being scored <laughs> and with yeah. no, no defense being played, especially with Alabama, who usually has a, a very good, if not elite defense, you know, year in and year out. It's just Dude, that was so very strange. Odd. I kept turning it from the Clemson game. I'm like, forty five to what? Yeah. Like, <laughs> every every time they one of the offenses got the ball, they they marched out the field and score. I mean they were they were just handing it back and forth. Nashi Harris was just jogging around out there, yeah. running for five touchdowns and just I was like I, I mean, you gotta imagine that was as frustrated as Nick Saban's just about been. I mean, outside that game they lost to ULM his first year, he had to be just livid because when's the last time they gave up that many points? I have no idea. I, I probably never. Yeah, probably, probably never. never. <laughs> probably never. Yeah. I mean, this is this is Nick Saban we're talking about. Um, in his career, I don't think he had never lost by more than three touchdowns until we did it. So at that point in time, I can't remember the exact number, but he had had you know maybe three or four games where the where the opposing team has scored more than forty. And the past seventeen games has happened five times. Yeah. We did it in eighteen. LSU did it. Auburn did it last year. I mean, there there's time and time again where, you know, since 2016, 2017, Bama kind of flipped the script. They went from being this elite off elite defense where we're gonna we're gonna run the ball on offense. We're gonna do what we gotta do to get in the end zone, but we're just gonna we're just gonna smother you defensively. And it's flipped. Yeah. Now they're saying, hell, we'll just we'll just chunk it around the yard and we'll outscore you. And it's it's odd to see with a guy like Nick Saban. So I mean it's I don't know. I, I think I, you know, Nick Saban did say in his post-game press conference, he was pissed clearly. But one thing that he did say was that with the RPOs, it's so difficult to defend because you have offensive linemen that are run blocking. They're getting up at the second, third level of the defense, and then next thing you know, you got a pop pass coming out. So, I mean, is it legal? Is it are they downfield? There's a lot of gray area. So the RPO game takes advantage of you know really the one thing you can't stop. And that's having offensive linemen get downfield and just put hat on hat, and you start running slants. It's it's impossible to cover. So I think I think it might just be part of the SEC coaching staffs, you know, innovating a little bit and taking advantage of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a good I point. Agree. I agree. So we'll get into the last question right here. Um, is Stetson Bennett a championship caliber quarterback? Um, since the mailman. You know, Davini, you can get into this. I, I, I want to. I want to preface. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I want to. I want to preface this by just going through the last, you know, six, seven years of, you know, national championship winning quarterbacks. And oddly enough, a lot of these, couple of these are Heisman winners, and most of these guys were in the conversation. So last year, obviously, Joe Burrow, best quarterback performance we've ever seen. Host of receivers out there. LSU was different. You know, and then obviously Trevor Lawrence in 18, Tua in 17, Deshaun Watson in 16, Jake Coker in 15, uh, more of that vintage Bama offense. 
Uh, and then 14, JT Barrett got on there, got hurt in the playoff, Cardell Jones. Uh, and then 13, Jameis Winston. The constant there is you see a lot of differential talents at quarterback. So what I said earlier about, you know, my sh- kind of short synopsis of Stetson Bennett, I don't think he's going to lose you any games, but I don't think he's going to win you many. I think he's a lot like Jake Fromm in that sense. And obviously, you know, I, I like Kiaris Jackson at, at receiver. Obviously, you like, you know, you like George Pickens a lot, but I think he has the, the talent around him where he doesn't have to be a championship caliber quarterback to, you know, take this team where they need to go. But I, I, I don't, he, I mean, they, they call this guy the mailman. He's delivering the mail, not touchdowns. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I agree with, with all that, you know. Um, I think Georgia definitely has a championship caliber team, you know, but, but to win that championship, they're going to have to ride that defense. The defense is going to have to – you know, the defense this weekend is going to have to go out there and beat Bama. You know, the defense is going to have to go out there and beat Florida. The defense is going to have to have to, you know, be the cornerstone of this team this year. And which it has been for, you know, the past few years. And I think Stetson Bennett is, is you know, a guy that's going to take care of the ball. He's going to get it to some playmakers. You know, he's going to do what he has to do, but he's not going to, you know, he's not going to Joe Burrow the game or he's not going to, you know, go Trevor Lawrence or anything like that. So, you know, it, it just depends on the definition of a championship caliber quarterback when it comes down to it, I guess. Yeah. So y'all saying – no, or yes. I, a long-winded way of saying no, no. He's not a championship caliber quarterback, but he's on a championship caliber team, and I think he can get you there. He can. He can ride a long it. way can, of saying no, I, I, and, and a long way of it. saying he can ride it out and get you get yeah. there. I mean, it was a lot like Jake Fromm in 2017. Yep, freshman quarterback, game manager, um, rode that amazing you know, defense, which this year our defense is better statistically than it was that year, which is scary because, you know, there are guys with Roquan Smith and Renzo Carter who play in the league right now on my defense in 2017. But it's kind of – it's funny. We talked about earlier how we're supposed to have a new offense, get the, you know, get ball downfield more and stuff like that, and we're kind of seeing the same thing that's happened the past couple of years and it sucks. So it's like Monkin got there. It's like, I really like what y'all used to do. I think <laughs> you know what? You know what? Screw my NFL game plan. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna run this what y'all been doing. I don't yeah, I, I think I, answering that question with a no is not a hit to Stetson Bennett necessarily. I don't think yeah, I don't yeah. think that's saying he's not a good quarterback. But yeah, I mean I, I, those names that we have listed there, Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, Tua, Deshaun. Like there's one name that matches him a little bit, Jake Coker. But I mean, he look had at that. Derrick Henry. Look that at that 2015 way. Alabama team. I mean, it's ridiculous. So yeah, it's Derrick Henry. Yeah, Derrick Henry left. Derrick Henry right. Derrick Henry up the middle. Touchdown. Speaking of, about an hour ago, he threw Josh Norman for about six yards. I don't know if y'all saw. I saw. I saw, yeah. I saw the highlight of that. But I do. Dude's a monster. Going off this question, I'll finish it up right here. I do think. Like y'all said, he could get us there, absolutely. But I think a big step is going to have to be made this weekend. Because, I mean, Alabama could be in the playoff, too. And we play him in the SEC championship, depending on how the rest of the season goes. So, if he has a good game against Alabama, I think he could get us there and win it. 
No, I, I really. I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. If yeah. you can get through this weekend, it's yeah. going to be it's going to be smooth sailing. I, I like the matchup against Florida. Yeah. Yeah. Same. So but now, before we get into uh, into picking this week's games, I have a trivia question for you guys. So we're filming this Tuesday, October thirteenth. Do y'all know what happened today in two thousand and eight? No. No. I went for two hundred yards rushing on my uh, middle school football team. <laughs> that that also happened. Club confirms. <laughs> but today was uh, was the day that Clemson made the best bad decision ever. Letting Dabo uh-huh. be the interim coach. Yeah, today uh, is today okay. is the origination of the all in. I need these players to be all in. I Dang. need these fans to be all in. I didn't know that was pretty cool. I saw that. Actually, you know what? I should have thought about that because I saw that on Twitter today. I saw the video. Barf. Barf. <laughs> hey, I will say I'll eat my words because at the time when he took over, he did some stupid stuff, and I was like. I think that's a mistake, but he he quickly uh, showed that that's not 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 the case. So, yeah, it it, it turned out okay for Clemson, I guess. <laughs> money reigns supreme. Okay. But anyways, we'll, we'll get into. Well, well they didn't either. all of a sudden get money, Jacob. They've had money, so we'll get it. We'll get into the game picks here. <laughs> How many after, more churches popped up since Dabo? After that nonsense, look a lot. I, look, a lot. originality <laughs> and being creative is different than than you know. He's a he's creative in multiple ways. Indeed. Car lots, everything. <laughs> Just win, baby. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. The first game we're picking is Miami versus Pitt. I'm taking Miami right here. They're coming off a, a brutal loss to Clemson. They still have a good team, I think. They just they are just undisciplined. I mean, they're and it's probably to do with coaching, but they do have the athletes out there, and I think they have enough to beat Pittsburgh. So I'm going Miami. I'm going to rip off that. I agree. Miami has just got more athletes than Pitt. Pitt does have a good defense, so I'm interested to see how they play Miami. They take a little bit of a minimal scheming, um, but I just I feel like Miami outlasts them. It might be a good like good game first first half but I think Miami edges it out yeah this was tough for me I, I think I think Miami's going to get it done they got to win uh, if they want to be there at the end to try to get another shot at Clemson they they got to run the table um, I think this is an important part of their season Miami's kind of the team that you look for them to just collapse you know so I think they're going to come out there and and handle business against an okay pit team Sid, I'm, I'm glad you uh, you touched on the fact that, that they might collapse. <laughs> um, your logic last week, UVA hung around with Clemson. They gave us, you know, their best shot. Then you're, you're inevitably going to have that letdown. I think for Miami getting absolutely blasted, do they quit? I mean. It could happen. They've, they've, they've seen the, the show that in years past where they, they're, they're a, a pretender, really. Next thing you know, they play Someone a good exposes team. them. They get hammered. You put some, some, you know, some real, real shaky spots of their of their scheme on tape. You know, I'm I'm, I'm taking Pitt in this one. I, you know, Pitt lost a heartbreaker last week. Kickers, man. But I'm, you know, Pitt's lost two in a row. So I have a feeling you're going to get a Miami team that may be on the ropes. We'll see if Pitt can put the nail in the coffin. Pitt's good enough to squeak a win out. 
Saturday. Yeah, I like Kenny Pickett. I think he's a good player. I think I think Miami's also poorly coached enough to to drop a game like that to have a clunker like I pointed out last week with Virginia just having an absolute clunker against NC NC State. It's hap- It's liable for Miami to come out there and play. Like is that, it so. in Miami or is it in Pitt? Yep, it's South Florida. Ooh. All right. We'll move into uh, a game of the week. <laughs> an interesting game for for you know the context of this podcast, the Georgia Tech Clemson game. I think we all kind of yeah. I think we all kind of prefaced this earlier a little bit. I think you know I like where Georgia Tech is headed. I think they made a really great hire in Jeff Collins. They're getting they're getting athletes all over the place, but they're just young. They're pretty inexperienced. They're still figuring stuff out, putting pieces together, and Clemson's just. I mean, they're Clemson. They they could probably, they could probably, I mean, beat anybody in the country right now. They can so, roll helmets out there this week. Yeah, so I'm taking Clemson. Yeah, I I said last week I never I never pick against my team, but um, this week I, I'm picking against my team. So I'm <laughs> I think think you just have to. It's a no brainer. So yeah, hurts to say, but Tigers by at least four scores. Yeah, I'm, yep. I got I got Clemson here as well because I mean you've already touched on everything coming up and all the teams and stuff, so I'm not gonna waste the listeners' time. I'm just gonna pick Clemson here and let Sam cap it off. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll just go ahead and move on. We're we're all taking Clemson here. Um, so getting into a little bit of the uh, the AAC action. Tulsa's looked good this year. Cincinnati's looked better. Uh, Cincinnati's a three point favorite. Uh, this is in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, like I said, Tulsa is a team that gave Oklahoma State some fits with a backup quarterback, but uh, I, I Cincinnati with with Ritter at quarterback, they just I just feel like they're going to outlast him. I, I don't know if if Tulsa is going to be able to keep up with them, even after they did upset UCF a couple weeks ago. But this is this is going to be a good game. Yep, I second that completely. I'm also taking Cincinnati. I'll also take Cincinnati with you guys. Uh, Tulsa gave UCF a good game. Hey, I think they schemed them well, but. Uh, Cincinnati, I think, is the best team in the AAC, in my opinion. So, yeah, Luke Fickle's a good coach too. Yeah, I, I look for him to get hired elsewhere eventually, pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I can't make up my mind on this one because uh, I know Tulsa has a pretty good defense. Um, just I haven't watched any of the games. Just looking at the, the scores and stuff, like Sam said, the Oklahoma State game. It were it was a backup quarterback and stuff, but and beat UCF is really just the offensive team, and they kind of shut them down a little bit. Uh, Cincinnati's kind of a team that scares me, though. They'll come out one game, throw up a bunch of points, and they'll, you know, implode the next week. So I'm, I think I'm going to pick the underdog in this one, boys. I think I'm going to go Tulsa. I like it. All right, moving along, moving along uh, to the South Carolina-Auburn game. Auburn is a slight favorite. But I'm I'm gonna go with my boys on this one. I'm gonna go with South Carolina. I think I think Bobo has the offense rolling. I think the defense is is starting to figure things out, especially the defensive line. The secondary, you know, they could use some work. But you know, again, you pressure Bo Nix, you, you pretty much win the game there. So I'm taking South Carolina. I, I agree. I like it. I, I like the confidence. And I, I said last week, don't pick against your boys unless it's a a, a guaranteed. So. I'm going to take the, uh, the Gamecocks as well. I'm not a fan of Bo Nix, so I think y'all got to, y'all are going to put the game in his hands and make him beat you, and I don't think he can do it. So 
going Gamecocks. Yeah, me too. Um, this game's in Columbia. Like I said earlier, I think uh, just from a game plan, you know, matchups wise, the strengths of Carolina right now are their run game and their defensive line. The weaknesses of Auburn right now are their offensive line and their defensive front seven. So I think this plays into into Carolina's hands as long as they can limit turnovers. They I think they're going to win this one. But this this is going to be an interesting game. I, I think this is a big one for Gus Malzahn. I agree. Gus is going to be on the hot seat if they lose this game. And I think South Carolina definitely can beat them. I mean, they, they could have easily beaten Tennessee the first week, in my opinion. So I think I think they're a good team. And like I've said in the in one of our podcasts in, in the past, I think South Carolina is right on that, that cusp of being a top-tier SEC team. They just got to figure it out. And I think they did figure it out a little bit against Vandy last week. I, I want to see him carry on getting the ball, like Jacob said, a little more. That dude's an athlete. Even though he just got converted to receiver, he can still make plays with athleticism. So, I like, I like South Carolina right here with the, uh, with the upset. Yep. Going on to another SEC matchup, Tennessee versus Kentucky. Uh, you know, Tennessee is coming off an ugly loss to Georgia. You know, they look they look decent in the first half, but they made a lot of mistakes. They had a lot of turnovers, stuff like that. I, I, I expect them to be pretty pissed off. I expect them to come in pretty hot against a decent Kentucky team. Kentucky has a pretty good defense, but I'm, I'm taking the volunteers here. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking Tennessee. Offensive line is a whole hell of a lot better than what they showed last week. Uh, Kentucky's defense is good, but but they ain't Georgia, baby. I mean, this is this is a situation where I'm looking at Kentucky offensively. Terry Wilson, he just he just don't do it for me. I think I think this is going to be a very similar game to Tennessee Carolina, um, in the sense that Tennessee probably won't ever be able to completely put them away. That's why the spread's only six. But I'm taking the Vols here. Yeah, I'll I'll follow that. I'll go Vols. I think Tennessee's going to try to come out and show that we can run the ball. Maybe you know, last week we just got blown up by Georgia's defense trying to run the ball. So I, I think uh, Tennessee is going to come out there, like y'all said, pissed off and get the win. Yeah, they got to they gotta show why. They got to back up the hype in this game. They got to back it up. And they, they have a pretty – they got, they got some, some good linebackers back there with Toa Toa. I mean, he had 11 tackles against us last week. And I think, I think they're going to they're gonna come out and beat, beat Kentucky as well. Yep. And then going on, Memphis versus UCF. Uh, Memphis has has a good team this year, um, but I like UCF's offense. So, you know, for that reason, I'm taking UCF. This one was tough for me, um, I, but I, I do like Gabriel a lot after watching him play in person, and the way they run that 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 offense so fast. So, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take UCF. Yeah, same kind of the same things y'all are saying. Uh, I will point out for for Memphis, um, this is the team that the only other offense that they've really played is SMU. SMU only put up 30. Uh, so Memphis has the ability to, to sort of limit things defensively. Um, but I, I just feel like UCF's got too many playmakers coming off a loss and a bye week. I'm taking Josh Heupel here. Golden yeah, Knights, Golden Knights by a touchdown. <laughs> coming, coming off that, I was going to say that uh, they are coming off a bye week and especially after that loss, they're going to get a lot of stuff together right here. I. UCF did lose to Tulsa, but I think Tulsa is a better team than Memphis. So that's why I'm taking UCF right here. 
Yep, and then moving on. Yeah, to... before hold on before we before we go on, I do want to point out um, Brady White, the the quarterback from Memphis. This is a guy that's got seven touchdowns, but he's got three picks. So I'm 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 really I'm really weary about about Brady White, but he's one of those guys that he might he might just randomly have a crazy game. It, you know how Memphis and, and UCF always is. Yeah. So yeah. This is going to be a really good game, though. I'm I'm actually excited about this one. Yep. Yep. And then going to Arkansas, Old Miss uh, for this one, you know, Arkansas has showed some things that I think have su- su- surprised some people, you know, early in the season, probably should have beat Auburn last week. You know, they've looked, they've looked pretty good, but I think the Old Miss offense is just, just way too explosive, way too good. And I, I'm taking Ole Miss here. Yeah. I'll, I'll go Ole Miss too. What Ole Miss was able to do against Alabama. I mean, um, that was impressive. Kiffin's got them rolling on offense kind of knew that's how he's going to be I think Pittman has Arkansas going in the right direction I just think the talent level is just still a little different there with Arkansas and Ole Miss so I'm going to take Kiffin in in the Ole Miss just lane train baby go ribs (laughs) just just to say what pretty much Sid just said you know Pittman's got a thing going there you know he's already (laughs) he's already won a game and they only won two last year so I think should have won the second one, but yeah, it, they should they should have two wins, but you know we'll talk about that at another time. Yeah, I got I got the I got the rebels right here too, man. I mean Lane Kiffin's got that offense going. I think they will give up points to Arkansas. Felipe did have four touchdowns last week against a pretty decent Auburn defense. So yeah, to watch. Yep, moving on Virginia Tech versus Boston College. You know these these two teams. I I don't watch a lot of them, um, so, but I'm I'm taking Virginia Tech here. Yeah, I, I think Virginia Tech's game against UNC says more about UNC than it does them because UNC came out and looked kind of dominant at times, and then they looked like they you know get a little relaxed and VT would try to make it a game. Um, so I, I think Virginia Tech's a better team than people think they have that than think they are. Um, so. So I'm going to take VT in this one. Boston College is a, a decent team. They can play competitively, but I just don't think they get Virginia Tech. Yeah, I think I think Virginia Tech has a really, really explosive offense. Um, we've seen that. They've got a really good running back. Uh, if Hendon Hooker's back there at quarterback or Quincy Patterson, both are serviceable. Obviously put up a ton of points on uh, on UNC. But for, for Boston College, uh, Phil Jerkovich, I, I, I actually really like him. The way he's playing thus far has been impressive. Uh, new new coach Jeff Halfley coming there. Uh, I believe he was the defensive coordinator for Ohio State for a long time. He's got recruiting turnaround. He reminds me a lot of Jeff Collins actually. Um, I think he's got them headed in the right direction. I I think Boston College might. Uh, I think Boston College might might win this, but I'm not confident enough to pick them. I'm going. I'm going to BT. I'm the same way. I don't. I'm I'm agreeing with Jacob on this one. I don't. I haven't really gotten to watch that much of Virginia Tech and Boston College play. But the fact that they can put up those points against North Carolina, you know, Boston College has looked pretty good this year. Just looking at the recaps of some games, but I like Virginia Tech in this one. All right, finally, moving on to the uh, game of the week, Bama versus Georgia. Bama comes out as a, uh, you know, a slight leader, you know, the spreads at, at at six right now this one's a tough one you know that Georgia defense is, is tough Bama offense is good Nick Saban's never lost to a former assistant 21 and 0 you know I want I, 
I like what Georgia has, but you know, you don't you don't make money betting against Alabama. So I think I'm going to take Bama in this one. Yeah. I'm going two reasons. This one's tough for me. I think this one's a toss-up. I think the spread should be closer to six points, in my opinion. Definitely. I, I go. I'm going two reasons for I'm taking Bama. For one, they're on offense. They've got weapons and Najee Harris. They've got you know uh, the new receiver, but they still have Devontae Smith. All those guys. I think they're they've got some weapons. And then I just Bama against his old uh, coaches on his staff is just. I mean, saving against them is just too good. So taking Bama in a close one. Yeah, I think. I think yeah. Why? Go ahead, Devinny. I'll let you hop on this one. <laughs> the reason why I think it's almost a touchdown spread is because of the quarterback situation in Stetson. I think the guys out there don't believe that Stetson can, you know, muster up enough to beat this Bama squad. Which I, I get, I get both sides. I absolutely do. Um, but I can't, I can't not pick the dogs, man. Don't pick against your boys. I can't do it. I can't do it. They're, You'll regret it if you pick against your boys. They're looking, they're looking really good this year. And that, you know, the last two times we went to Tuscaloosa, we beat them. Last times we went over there. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see this game Saturday night. Oh boy. This is a, uh, this is going to be a really, really good game. My head is telling me don't pick against Saban. Um, but I just, I just feel like Georgia's going to do it. But like I said, I, I just, you know, this is a completely different animal for Georgia defensively. Uh, these are three NFL caliber receivers, Waddle, Smith, Michi. You know, I like Tyson Campbell. Uh, I like Eric Stokes. I like LeCount. I like the whole secondary. I like everything Georgia has defensively. But covering those guys for 60 minutes is going to be a real problem. Um, I have a little bit more confidence in Mac Jones and Najee Harris than I do in um, and Stetson Bennett and Zemir White, but I for there's just something something that won't let me pick Bama right here. So I'm I'm gonna take the flyer. I'm, I'm gonna say Kirby 21 and one against former assistants. Kirby seen him enough. This is it. So okay. I'm taking the dogs. Let's go, baby. All, All right. right. I will say this before we let Sid talk for his minute that in order for Georgia to win this game on Saturday night, they have to play like they did in the second half of Tennessee every single quarter. Yep. You, can't, you can't give Alabama a quarter off. Once you slack off one quarter, they're going to run it up on you. Mm-hmm. Yep, well, those are the picks. Uh, just to update on the leaderboard for the podcast pick them, Davinny and Sam are tied at 24-12. and 12. Sid had a huge week last week, and he made his way up. He's 23. 23 and 13 just one don't off. pick against your boys don't yep. pick against them yep just one off the leader and then unfortunately <laughs> except I, for this week yeah yeah and then unfortunately i'm in last place at 21 and 15 <laughs> you know not not too far behind not too far behind we're gonna need a big week to come back but those are the standings sid did win um last week so he's gonna get a minute or however long he wants to speak about whatever he wants so go ahead uh First off, I got to keep, you know, the, the luck rolling. The Braves are 2-0 and right now in the NLCS. So hopefully this Let's time go. next week, hopefully this time, they just barely pulled it out as we're recording this. Um, uh, so hopefully this time next week, we are watching a World Series. I think it'd be next week. But anyways, hopefully by the time we're recording the next one, we've moved on to the next round, 2-0. Uh, I want to spend the rest of my minute. I, I am so 
uh, excited about having a playmaker like Jameer on our team. And, like, going through that game, I was texting y'all, you know, like, man, I think we're beat. I think we're beat. And it's just like you get that kid, that ball in that kid's hands and they, you don't know what he's going to do. And then that hurdle into the end zone, that was just like a, a moment where you're like, this kid's legit. And so seeing him wear 21, y'all know the legacy of 21 at Tech, like, you just don't wear that number on offense if, if you ain't, you know, like Jonathan DeWire and then obviously Calvin Johnson. So I am excited to see his progression and – uh, it gives me hope for this staff because they, they evaluated him when he was lower in, in the rankings and they took him and they were fully confident that he's the guy. And I think he's going to be the guy for us for the next three years. So uh, last thing I uh, am don't have any trash to talk. I'm disappointed to see the direction George is going. Cause I think there's one team really, even though I just picked Bama, I think there's one team in the country that's a contender for them. I think that's Clemson. So uh, my my new my new pick this for the the national championship game this year is going to be Clemson Georgia because I think those are the two teams playing defense this year Alabama don't have it in my opinion to make it there so as as much as that hurts to say it I, I think this this could be a year for Georgia to get there again and, and see what they can do. Yep, I agree with everything you just said. But anyways, thank you for listening. That's what we have to say about college football for this week, um, and. Hope you tune in next week for next week's episode and peace.